Turn in our Bibles. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 12, but we will be in Exodus chapter 2, but I'm going to read a verse from Revelation chapter 12. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll just mention I don't like bringing sports into the pulpit. Uh, you know, it's never a, a safe thing. I knew a poor guy who graduated from Ohio State, and he had a diploma, and of course he went to apply for a job, and they saw the diploma and realized it wasn't worth much. And uh, so they thought, well, we'll ask him a few questions, see if he could handle this job. And they said, first of all, we want to know how many seconds are in a year. Well, that's kind of tough because you've got to add, you know, 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours, and then 365 days. And he answered immediately. He said, I got it. He said, 12. They said, 12? He said, yeah, January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. They thought the poor guy, you know, they knew where he went to school and everything. So they said, let's ask him another question. He said, what two days a week start with T, the letter T? He thought for quite a while and said, today and tomorrow. They said, nice. And finally they said, all right, he's got to know this. What's God's son's name? And he thought and he thought and he thought and I thought everybody thought knew Jesus. He said, Andy. They said, Andy, yeah, because when I was a kid, we used to sing this song, Andy walks with me. And he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. So, no offense to any Ohio State fans, but uh, it's great to be in God's house and to share God's word with you. We're looking at Revelation chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Just stand with me and, for a moment as we read this. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be del delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule, that's a millennial, all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God, that's the ascension, and to his throne. And of course, that's talking about Satan who continually persecuted Israel from Abraham all the way to Bethlehem. Because it's, it's scripture teaches that, that the nation of Israel was in travail trying to give birth to the Savior of the world. And as we follow the lineage of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and on down to the Lord Jesus, we know Satan tried at every, every opportunity to kill him, to stop him from being born. Let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in the book today for a walk in the world. As we look at uh, the wonderful story of the birth of Moses and how you protected him from the, the enemy. Lord, help us to realize we're in a battle with the enemy. He's trying to destroy us with all his means, all his, his tricks and devices. Bless now. Be with us and hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated as we look now to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and, and you know the story, and you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, this wonderful story of the birth of Moses. We know in chapter 1, we looked at Satan's plan, the threefold plan to kill uh, the deliverer. He may have thought it was Jesus, but every time uh, he thought about Jesus being born or coming into the world, he tried to kill him and do away with him. And, and so here we find Moses is going to be born and Satan has a plot, a plan. First, he's going to work the children of Israel to death so they couldn't make babies. They'd be too tired. That didn't work. Then he tried to get the midwives to kill the male children. That didn't work. And then he tried to get the whole country. Anyone who finds a Jewish baby being born, throw it in the Nile River. And of course, that worked to some extent, but he didn't get the one. 
the baby Moses, we know. And we look at verse 1, it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. So Moses is a descendant of Levi. Now, Jacob had, had come into the land 361 years before. And Jacob's long gone, and the, and the patriarchs and their sons are long gone. And now Moses is going to be born. It's about 1,526 years uh, before Christ. And Moses is born of the tribe of Levi. And we know that Satan's going to try and kill him with whatever means he can kill him. We know that uh, King Tut, they say, was the probable pharaoh at this time. They found his, of course, cave and, his, and where he's buried and, and embalmed and under the ground. And they say it's, there's millions of dollars of gold there. He was quite an interesting person, but uh, obviously an evil person. And he was like Herod the Great who tried to kill all the babies uh, when Jesus was born, and that was part of Satan's plot. But remember, the midwives feared God. I love that, that they feared God. Well, here's Moses now. He would live 120 years. 40 years, he'd be a, a, a prince in the, in the palace of Egypt, learning the ways of Egypt. We could say the ways of the world, but that's not really what we mean. He did learn the ways of the world in that he learned the, how, how Pharaoh operated and how to deal with him. But Moses... Uh, was learning in that stage of his life. And then he was a shepherd for 40 years, hiding because he had killed an Egyptian. And finally, he'd be a leader for 40 years, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and to the edge of the promised land. Uh, Satan Satan uh, is, is always in opposition to what we do. When you have a good thought or a good idea, he's going to oppose it. When you have a good plan, he's going to stand against it. When you feel God's calling you to do something, he's going to fight it with every ounce of strength he has because he doesn't want us to succeed. Uh, here's Moses. Verse 2 tells us that he was a goodly child, a goodly child. And that's, we're going to go over to Esther chapter 2 and verse 7. I want you to see how that's translated. I like to do this once in a while because I tell you Hebrew words and what they mean. So Esther chapter um, 2 and verse 7, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, we know it's uh, before Psalms. I'm telling myself that so I can find it. But in Esther chapter 2 and verse 7, it says here, And he brought up Hadashah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, living obviously, and the maid was fair and beautiful. The word beautiful, same Hebrew word describing Moses. He was a beautiful baby. And that word's also translated uh, elsewhere, uh, goodly. In the New Testament, he's called exceedingly fair. He's called a proper child. So this is a, a beautiful baby. Moses was a beautiful baby. And that worked to his advantage. And it worked according to God's plan. He was also educated according to Acts chapter 7. He was mighty according to Acts chapter 7. Hebrews 3.5 tells us he was faithful. We know that Numbers uh, 12 tells us he was meek. We know uh, he's also called humble in Exodus chapter 3, and he's exalted in Matthew chapter 17 in the Mount of Transfiguration. A scholar by the name of Haldeman says, Moses was a child of a slave and yet the son of a queen. He was born in a hut but lived in a palace. He was born in poverty but lived in wealth. He kept sheep and he led armies. He was meek and yet he was a warrior. He lived in a desert and was educated in a court. He had the faith of a child and the wisdom of the world, meaning Egypt. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh and an ambassador for God. 
He died in Moab, but he appeared with the Lord Jesus. And we know he'll be forever with the Lord Jesus. But what a great leader Moses was. We find mistakes in his life as we do. We understand that. And we wish these guys didn't make mistakes. I often thank God for the Bible because I read in the Bible and I find people making mistakes. And I say, hey, he was a good person. And God said he was a good person. And, and yet he's made mistakes. And I can say, hey, there's hope for me. I'm always amazed that God uses any of us. But he does use us in spite of ourselves. Because we're fallen people. We're totally depraved. We're evil people in our flesh. God regenerates us. He saves us. And so here we find Moses is a person of faith. And we know his parents, Hebrews 11:23 tell us, his parents hid him by faith. They hid him by faith. They believed God had a, had a purpose for their son. And so they protected him all they could. They had to get rid of him or he'd be killed. And they hid him by faith. Back in the Old Testament, we have a great story in 2 Chronicles 22 of the king's daughter hiding Joash by faith because quite often with a jealousy and people wanting control, they'd kill all the children of patriarchs back in the Bible. The king's kids would all be slaughtered to keep the throne for someone else. And here his, his, the king's daughter actually hid Joash. And Joash took the throne at seven years old, obviously, uh, people around him had to help him lead. But think of a seven-year-old king of Israel. And remember, in the northern kingdom, there were only eight good kings out of 20, 22 evil ones. In this, uh, excuse me, the southern kingdom, only eight good kings. 20 kings, only eight were good. In the northern kingdom, 19 kings and one queen, and all of them were evil. So Joash was special, wasn't he? And he was spared. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, We are hid with Christ in God. We're hidden with Christ and God. Isn't that great? The devil can't harm you. He can't destroy you. He wants to, but you're hid with God in Christ. And I love that, that God hides me and provides for me. He protects me. He cares about me. He actually thinks about me. I'm actually special to him. I mean, there's, I'm sure at times my parents would have killed me, but God never gave up on me. I know there were men in my home church. I was a young Christian when I started attending there. We went there for the good youth group. My dad realized I needed more direction. And there were men in that church that were sometimes harsh with me. But Don Boss and several great men, Jack, Jack Sellers and others, would come up and put their arm around me and say gently, now you know better than that, Dan. Oh, that would just crush me. You know better than that. You shouldn't do that. And when I went home after finishing Bible college, this mass of people, I don't know how many people, but maybe 1,500 or whatever, a big packed auditorium, my pastor had asked me to speak on a Sunday morning. And I remember getting up there and I thought, I was so nervous. Not, not because um, I was nervous about preaching. That's never really made me nervous. I could preach to a big crowd. That doesn't bother me. It was because I knew that they knew who I was. And the Bible said a prophet's never received in his own town, you know, and, and Jesus wasn't even received by his own townspeople. And I, I thought, oh, brother. But, you know, God loves us in spite of ourselves, never gives up on us. Here's Moses. Now, what had he done? He killed a guy. He killed a guy. And he's, he has to flee for his life. And now he's coming back, and God is going to use this guy who committed murder. 
I believe in capital punishment, and I understand that the law is clear, capital punishment was instituted. I think it should still be in effect. But then I think of people who, who were not put to death for committing murder that got saved, and God uses them, and I think, isn't that awesome? We need to be people of grace and realize God can forgive anybody for anything. I know he's done that for me, and I know he's done that for you. And to be saved, you have to repent to be forgiven. And so all of us have repented to be forgiven. But we're hid with Christ in God. And so here in verse 3, they make this little ark. The Bible said they uh, took an ark. And, and the word ark can also be translated coffin. And they took this ark. They made it out of bamboo. And they covered it with pitch. Now, the word pitch is an interesting Hebrew word. It's translated atonement. You know, the ark of Noah was a type of atonement. God was inside saying, come in. It was covered with pitch. It survived the wrath of God. And when you're hid with God in Christ, you survive the wrath of the enemy. And you don't face the wrath of God because you're forgiven. You're a child of God. You've had mercy applied. I love the mercy of God. I love the grace, but I also love the mercy. Well, they place this ark in the Nile River, a place of crocodiles, obviously. And I love Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, where Joseph said, I was in the place of God. And God knew exactly where this ark needed to be. And they didn't know exactly, but they thought, well, we'll pitch it, we'll cover it with pitch, we'll make it so it won't sink, we'll put it in a place, maybe hide it in the bulrushes and the weeds, and maybe nobody will find it until someone who has compassion will find that little baby. And, and I know it had to break mom and dad's heart to do that, but they trusted in God. I was reading a great uh, story about a lady in the Bronx and a Christian lady and her apartment building caught on fire and she couldn't get out her door and she had her little baby in her arms and she was out on the balcony and no one could help her. And uh, eventually she was spared. Someone actually got up in her ladder and got in there and spared her, but she had her little baby and the only thing she knew she could do was throw it down to the crowd. So she threw that little baby three stories. And in God's sovereign way, there was a, a, a person trained as a fireman who also had played baseball. And he caught that little baby. Then he it wasn't breathing. He performed CPR and saved that baby. And later they said to that lady, what were you thinking? She said, I just trusted the Lord. I felt the smoke was so bad. My baby wasn't breathing. The only chance was just trust God and throw her out the window. You know, we need to have faith like that. We need to trust in God. And uh, I think about all the difficulty in our world. A good friend of mine this week, I... Uh, heard the news. It's my, my brother's brother-in-law, my sister-in-law Pam's brother, lost their 30-something-year-old son to cancer. And I sat in my office and I just started sobbing because I understood the pain of losing a child. I've never lost a child, but I understand because I've known people to lose children. And I see the, the brokenness in people who lose someone they love. And I knew how much he was suffering. So I wrote him a card and I could hardly write the card. And I wrote a poem, and I want to read that poem to you. It's a great little poem uh, in the back of my Bible. Um, Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needed in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. We all have to suffer adversity. Sometimes it's difficult, 
And we have to put God to the test and say, I'm just going to trust you in that. And Moses' parents trusted him. And they placed him in the river. And thank God he was spared. He was spared. And his sister Miriam, who later stood against him, older sister, Aaron was older than him as well, as she kind of kept an eye on the baby. Now, if anybody had seen her, they would have probably killed the baby just like that. All the Egyptians were killing these babies and throwing them in the river. And she was kind of keeping an eye on the baby to see if anything happened. And uh, we know that an Egyptian, the Pharaoh's daughter, was going down to the water and talk about the sovereignty of God. Think of all the women who changed history. We talked about them last week. When Jael drove a tent peg through Sisera's head while he was sleeping. That's gruesome. But she did it for the nation of Israel. And in, in battle, we, we sometimes have to kill. And uh, we think of all the midwives we talked about last week. And all the other ladies who've made great changes in our world. Thank God for those ladies. For Esther. For Ruth. We thank God for them. And he, here's another one who didn't even realize she's doing the work of God. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses, but back in chapter 1, verse 10, and then I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 10, look what it says. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. So the Pharaoh is wanting to do away with the Israelites. He said, let's outsmart them. We'll put them to work. We'll, we'll do these different things. And we know what the Bible says about the wisdom of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. But look at verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is what? Wiser than men. And the weakness of God, stronger than men. And we could say stronger than the strongest man, couldn't we? In God's weakness, he's stronger than, the, he's stronger than anybody could ever be. Because he's God. And God has unlimited strength. And as, as I look back here in, in uh, Exodus, here they were trying to do wisely and deal with these Jews to stop them from multiplying. And now they're going to kill the babies. And of course, Moses is part of this. But I love several things here as, as we find in verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the root of God's timing. And, and it says here, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and beheld the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. So notice here three things. A sovereign cry. The sovereignty of God which guided the sinner, worldly woman, down to the river at her bath time. And just at that time, her maidens, her, all the people who waited on her, her servants, they see the little ark there. That's, that's God. And then she sees the baby. And, of course, we know the Bible tells us Moses is a beautiful baby. I don't know what he looked like as a man, but he's a beautiful baby. And uh, that's, that's God's sovereignty again. And when they get near the ark, what happens? A sovereign cry. The baby cries. And it says she had compassion on this little baby. It's a Hebrew. She knows that. But the cry of the baby got to her heart. 
That word compassion is translated pity. It's translated mercy in your Old Testament. So she's merciful, full of pity and compassion over this Jewish baby. Now, talk about God's hand in all this. I mean, her daddy said, kill all these babies. But she's going to grab this little baby and, and fall in love with it. And it's not just the crying that just amazes me. It's the compassion that, that she would have toward a Jewish boy. And that, that also amazes me. But even more than that, we have this compassion uh, of uh, uh, her calling. And what does she do? Well, look at verse 6. She opened it, she opened the ark, and she saw the child, and behold, the baby, she had compassion, and then she noticed it was a Hebrew. And then look what it does, says here in verse 7. Then said his sister to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call the nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? This gets better. Yeah. And Pharaoh's daughter said, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Can it get any better than that? Hey, God is good all the time. So, you know, Moses' mother, a child of a tribe of Levi, Jacobed's her name, she's elated because she's gone, her baby's been spared, and she gets to nurse her own baby. Hey, that's God. And when we get down, we need to realize that God is on the throne. He saw the baby and God had mercy before she ever had mercy. God had grace before anyone ever had grace. And he protected little Moses just like God protected Jesus way, years later, way over in Bethlehem, protected Jesus from Herod. Why? God's on the throne. And your life is hid with God in Christ. You are just as important as Moses was. You're just as important as Moses. Every one of these kids is just as important as Moses. Don't mess your life up. Don't mess your life up with drugs and alcohol. Don't mess your life up with a boy, girls. Tell them to keep their hands off you. Amen? Amen. I tell you what, one of the smartest things that you, my sisters, I wouldn't have, I'd felt sorry for the guy that put their hands on my four sisters. My sister Pam was 5'11". And my wife was an athlete. And when we went home to Michigan one time, my wife said, well, I think I could take your sister. I said, honey, you couldn't touch any of my sisters. They'd whip up on you. Oh, she thought, Mary's a little 120, 115-pound girl. My sister's 5'11", 140. She could whip me till I was 13. Wouldn't tell me, but I went to school with a black eye one time. She just beat the... I deserved it. You wouldn't know that, but I got it, had it come. And so, uh, you know... My wife and her are going to wrestle. And my sister just picked my wife up with one arm and just gently threw on the floor and held her down there. And my wife looked at me and thought, man, your sisters are something. I warned her. So any guy who would try and put their hands on my sisters, I knew was in trouble. <laughs> and that's what young ladies need to learn. Smack the boy's hands and tell him, keep his hands off if he ever wants to see again. Why? Some and many of us could say... We made mistakes. I'm not going to tell you all my mistakes, but how many of you could say, don't raise your hand? Oh, I know. I know. I had to be told or slapped or, or whatever. Maybe you weren't told or slapped. And, and women have done some of the more immoral things as well. We understand that. And the devil wants to ruin us. There's some good stories that end well. Thank God for the stories that end well. 
I think of people who've gotten pregnant out of wedlock and the story ended well. Thank God for his grace and mercy. But how many do we know in society that didn't end well? You know, I, I, I had a friend in high school, a good girl, but she had lower standards and guys wanted to take her out because they wanted to see what they could get, you know, and that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm practical. You, you kids hear it at school. You all know they hear it at school. They hear it on television. We need to hear it in church presented from the word of God. The Bible says to avoid fornication, get married, let every man have his own wife. But how many of us know stories that ended tragically? I thank God for stories that ended good. And I know Christians that thought their lives were over and God brought them out of it and spared them. They, they got married and, and ended up having a wonderful marriage. But how many times do we know of, of teenagers that are down and out and their whole life was scarred because of something like that? They're trying to raise a child. I don't know how many girls I see, and I see them, and I, I look at the guy, and I almost say, there's another one. This late girl's not going to get any child support. That guy's going to get done with her. He'll discard her, and she'll live her life in poverty. We, we know it. It's all over. It's, it's all over North Georgia. It's all over Chattanooga. We see these young couples, and marriage doesn't mean anything anymore, and men are bums today. And, and to think of the amount of people that, are bringing children to the world. There's alarming numbers, and I actually know a couple of them, but I'm not going to say them this morning. But it's sad to see the state of children today. They're being brought into a world without parents, without guidelines, without love. Hey, keep your morals. Keep your morals. Stay off drugs and alcohol. And, and I have to say it to adults as well. I had a lady years ago say, I'm addicted to prescription medication. That's kind of almost accepted. Well, that's okay. Because you're getting it legal? No, you're not. It's just as simple as going out on the street and getting heroin. Be careful. Because the devil is trying to ruin all of us. He's trying to kill all of us. He tried to kill Moses, but Moses was hidden with God in Christ. And if you're saved, he has no power over you. Only the power you grant him. When you go out with a boy and you date a young boy, he has no authority to touch you unless you grant him that authority. Just say no. And I know that's not part of today's message. That was all free. You don't have to pay for that. That's a pastor appreciation giving back to you. Amen. Look at Psalm 37, verse 1. I just want to finish with this Psalm chapter 37. I love the Psalms. You know, they're all songs. And I love to read the Psalms, and I love to preach them. I haven't preached one in a while. This is a Psalm of David, and God takes care of his own, and, and David was so often in danger. But I want to mention four things he says here. And when I think of Moses' parents, I had to think about this Psalm. Look what it says here in verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. We are in, in this is this is part of my message, pre-planned. We were in the Sunday school thing, and we were talking politics. And I, I said to the guys, i got to get out of here because my mind's getting all in politics, and i got to remember I have a message to preach. And I'm going to say in my message, fret not thyselves because of evildoers. And I mean, when you're talking politics, I already said this morning, our country's in a mess. I mean, we've lost our marbles. We've lost our morals. We've lost our money. I mean, come on, we lost men. We don't have men anymore. And, and I thought, you know, I'm fretting over all the evil in our world. And I got to remember, God's still on the throne. There's always going to be a Pharaoh. There's always going to be a Herod. But we're hid with 
Christ. We're hid with God in Christ. And he secures our fate. He secures our future. He secures our finances. He takes care of us because he's God. So fret not thyselves because of presidents and congressmen and senators and bosses maybe you work for who are evil men. But look also, verse 4. It says, fret not. And then he says, uh, in verse 3, excuse me, trust in the Lord and do good. Then he says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of our heart. Clarify, the good desires of our heart. So delight thyself in the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And then verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Those are four or five things that will change your life if you do those things. You see, we have to rest in the Lord. We can't get so worked up about what's going on in our world. Of course we get worked up enough to pray for him. Uh, I pray for our president's salvation. I pray for our vice president's salvation. It's possible. They're obviously lost. You know that by the lack of a testimony. We understand that. Pray for them. Pray for them more than you fret about them. Because what does Romans 13 say? Romans 13.1 says they're servants of God. Did you know Nebuchadnezzar was a puppet of God's? Evil Nebuchadnezzar, who treated Israel so bad, is a servant of the Most High? And so right now, God's in control of our country, even though we look around and say there's no control. There's no police enforcement. The police are belittled and mistreated. I love our policemen. I love, I love our military. And right now we see even the military, the degeneration and the, and the sin that's taking place there. And one generation after another, it seems to get less and less patriotic and less and less concerned about America's safety. It's sad to see our world like this, but we can either fret or we can pray. We can delight ourselves in the Lord. We can trust in the Lord. We can commit our way unto him, and then we can rest in him. You're already in him. Remember, we're hid with Christ in God, or we're hid with God in Christ. Hey, we're the children of God. We're victorious. We're on the winning side. He's going to come back one day and rapture us out of this place. And then we're going to come back with him. And yeah, there's horses in heaven because we're coming down on white horses. And we're going to be with him as he sets up the kingdom and rules for a thousand years. So all that's going to come to pass. Don't fret about the evil now because the evil people will be here until they stand before God. One day righteousness is going to rule because our Lord's going to sit on the throne. So I rest in him today. And I'm hid with him, just like Moses in that little bitty basket hid in the bulrushes. And God, in his sovereign way, used a sinner to take care of him. So many times in the Bible we find sinners taking care of saints. Years ago when I was in Bible college, I worked at a health spa. She taught people how to, you know, get in shape. Now I need to go back and, and work out myself. But I had two older men that came in there. One worked for DuPont and one was retired, a wealthy man. And both of them just sort of liked me. And you wouldn't believe how many times when I was struggling financially to pay a school bill, these guys who didn't know Jesus would come up and stick money in my pocket. I never understood why. I never asked for it. I wouldn't tell a person that's dying of thirst if they had a canteen of water and we were in the desert. 
I'm stubborn and proud like that. These guys would just come up and they would insist I take it. It'd be like, no, don't do it. You know, it was one of these deals, back and forth. And I always wondered, why would God use them? But why would God use the Pharaoh's daughter? Because God has a plan. He has a plan for every life here because he's God. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, trust him today as your savior. He's a perfect savior. He saves us from our sin, loves us, protects us and hides us and maps our journey out for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for taking care of Moses. We thank you for taking care of us. God, you're an awesome God, and you love us. You provide and protect for us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's never been saved, that today they'll come forward and trust Christ. Trust Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah. And others here that maybe have been fretting a little bit or, or maybe worrying about bills, Lord, you're going to take care of us because we belong to you. And I just pray that maybe we just commit these things to the altar and trust in Jesus. Bless now in Jesus' name we pray.